This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and it is Thursday before Thanksgiving, 21st of November, and can you believe we are almost to the holidays? It is crazy time of year, and I know that sometimes during this time of year, everyone just kind of needs to sit back and breathe a little bit, and one of the best things that we can do is read an amazing, amazing book. So um, I have a bit of a suggestion for you. and I have a book and, well, really an author that you just need to uh, pick up here shortly. But let me, let me, talk, let me uh, give her a shout here. I'm going to call her. Um, and um, <laughs> we're having a little bit of uh, back and forth here with a phone call. Um, but Gina Maxwell is a full-time writer, wife, and mother living in the upper Midwest. And despite her scathing hatred of snow and cold weather, She's an avid romance novel addict, and she began writing as an alternative way of enjoying the romance stories she loves to read. Her debut novel, Seducing Cinderella, hit both the USA and New York Times bestseller list in less than four weeks, and she has been writing full-time ever since. And when she's not writing um, or reading steamy romance novels, she spends her time losing a game to her high school sweetheart, hanging out with their teenagers before they fly the coop, and dreaming of moving to that beautiful tropical beach somewhere somewhere um, far away from the snow. So um, we are going to have Gina. Let's see if this works. Gina, are you there? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm hey, sorry. here sorry. we are. Yay. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, me too. Sorry. I had my phone was turned on the settings where calls that I don't know just go straight to voicemail. It's super handy for oh, yeah. marketers, not so handy when you have a radio interview to do. Sure, sure. No, but now you're here, and that's fabulous. I love it. So what is the weather up where you are today? Crappy. It's okay. raining and um, gloomy and icky. But I will take the rain over snow any day. So okay, I guess that's silver lining. Yes. there is. I read um, – Yesterday or the day before, it was on CNN, that there's a town in Alaska that's not going to have sunshine for two months. <gasps> and so, Oh, my gosh. I, know, I just thought, well, okay, then I won't be complaining about where I am. And if exactly. it's too hot or too cold, I, I get yeah. sunshine. I, yeah, my season shorter would be like, uh, that would be horrible. It's bad enough yeah. in Wisconsin. <laughs> Right. Well, and and I think, too, I think, well, if they get two months of no sun, then they must have two months of sun in the summer. I do believe that is how that goes. Uh, Yeah, somewhere up in Alaska or in in those, like, super close to the Arctic. And that would be super hard, too, right? Because your circadian clock or whatever it is would be so confused. (laughs) Yeah. I know I, years ago I had the, uh, the luxury of my grandparents taking us on a, a Scandinavian cruise, and it was like a crazy two-and-a-half-week thing. And the, the joke was for the people who planned the cruise um, was it was the cruise for the newlywed and the nearly dead because those were the only people who had actually time to go on a two-and-a-half-week <laughs> cruise. Um, so we, we, 
went out of Copenhagen and or Copenhagen and then um up the uh, Norwegian coast and it of course was in July because it's everything's iced and such um and it was very interesting cuz we got to pretty high up on the Norwegian coast and we were sitting there all talking and sitting in the bar and it was like what time is it <laughs> like two o'clock in the morning it was very very weird because it was I was like god oh, it looks like you know seven in the summer but yeah it's very weird it is really weird yeah, but you, you know black have enough curtains and all that you would you really would well it'd be like working night shift I mean a lot of people who work nights have blackout curtains anyway so you know, that's true it's all very exciting and an adjustment but with all that, if you're snowed in or iced in or the weather's crappy um, where you are, you have these fabulous books for people to read. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> so when you first started, I mean, you've been, a, you've been an avid romance reader for a long time. So what was the first romance novel you remember reading? Oh, my gosh. You know, this question always – I, it terrifies me because my memory is so horrible. I can't remember. I remember, so when I was in college, I was in a small group of women, um, and we called ourselves um, the super un-PC name of the Smut Club, and um, we traded romance paperbacks. And um, okay. I remember loving a book about a shifter wolf and it was like the first kind of book like that that I had ever read and okay. I fell in love with it because I really love wolves and stuff so I don't know who the author was but it was about oh. a shape-shifting wolf hero um, but I do remember like the names that I remember reading a lot of was Johanna Lindsay um, maybe Susan Sizemore uh, there was okay. I was really into historicals back in the college days um, for a long sure. time, and then I kind of got out of that and switched over to um, paranormal, which is what I was originally um, trying to be an author of was paranormal romance, and then accidentally ended up being a contemporary romance author. So, um, but yeah, those are I can't remember specifics that far back as to what the first ones were at all, but. So that's a really boring answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I find it always interesting where people begin because, um, let's see, I went to college. I'm a little bit older than you. So I was in college in the late 80s. And I remember um, romance writing was going through this major transition at the time of how stories were told and um, the, the role of the hero versus the heroine. And one of the very first stories I read was Whitney, My Love from Judith McNaught and then oh, that was yeah. just kind of it yeah so then you know and then I found Jude Devereaux and and it just you know exploded and of course that's when you read the book where you know you you sink into the book and then it's like what do you mean I have to wait you know a year and a half for another story <laughs> yes 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 that was the the um benefits of you know being in a book club and stuff and just trading because there was no there was no ebooks to to go off of so you were like okay well, have I read that one no okay give me that one you have this one and then yeah that was oh man that was a long time ago I know well and it's it's fun now because there's so many great 
new authors coming. So like you have quite a, quite a list. So if someone is just now discovering you, they've got mm -hmm. a really good um, list of books they can read. So they won't feel like they're going through withdrawals, you know, immediately when the first, when they finish the first book. <laughs> yeah. Backlists are, are helpful in that respect. They are. So when you first started writing, you were going to write Seducing Cinderella. What was the catalyst? Because you'd read all these great books. Um, what was the catalyst for you to say, I, you know what, I think I'm going to try this? Um, so truth be told, it was Seducing Cinderella was a complete accident. Um, as I mentioned, I was uh, originally going to be a paranormal romance author. And um, right. my very first contract was for a paranormal romance trilogy. And, um, but because it was going to be put out in paperback, um, for those who don't know, when something comes out in paperback, it's uh, like a year and a half before the time, between the time you finish the book um, with your editors and everything, and when it actually comes out in the stores. Um, and then it's an, another six months beyond that before you even see any money from it. Um, and I told my, my editor, I said, look, I can't wait that long to earn an income. So I'm going to have to go back to full-time work. Um, and she did not want that. She wanted me to be a full-time writer. And I said, well, people in, in, you know, a hot place want ice water too. So um, <laughs> she said, well, why don't you just in the, <laughs> try not to swear um, people. Um, so why don't you just write me a category romance real quick and we'll put it out digitally um, because that okay. has no, you know, okay. virtually no lead time. And then that will at least bring in um, enough so that you can earn an income while we get this paranormal romance book ready to go. I said, mm -hmm. perfect. That's a great idea. What is a category romance? <laughs> um, right. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> so right. I had read single title. At that time, I was very heavily into Gina Showalter's Lord of the Underworld series, Cressley Cole's Immortals After Dark series, Laura Adrian's Midnight Breed series. I was very heavily into the single title um, paranormal series. And so I had no idea what, of course, I've heard of, you know, Harlequin and Harlequin books, and, um, but I didn't know the term category romance. So okay. she explained it to me. She gave me some examples. And she's like, um, or first she said, you know, it's the ones with all the tropes. And I said, oh, cool, cool, cool. What's a trope? Because I had also never heard of that one. So, okay. I was a little baby writer. I had no idea. Um, so she explained it to me, gave me some examples to read. And I kind of understood, you know, that the tropes are like the themes of the books and, and things like that. Um, and so then I had to come up with this idea, right? And I always start with my heroes. Um, so I was scrolling through Google one day and, you know, as one does looking up, you know, sexy men and I saw sure. a picture of uh, Parker Hurley who is a male model and he was wearing athletic shorts and his hands were wrapped like um, like a fighter's and I fell in love with the picture and I immediately said this is my hero this is who I have to write about so I was a um, I've always been an MMA fan and so uh -huh. I thought I'm going to write about an MMA hero and that's how the idea for Seducing Cinderella came um, and then I wrote it and we published it. Again, it was only meant to be this something to generate a little bit of income for me so that I could focus sure. on my paranormal trilogy. 
and then it kind of accidentally blew up um, in the list within four weeks, and I was suddenly a contemporary romance author because everybody wanted to know what the next book in that series was, and so we figured, well, it's best to ride this while we can, so I continued the series with, you know, the best friend and the brother, and, um, I, you know, there's four books in that series total, and that's how I have never published Paranormal Romance. <laughs> <laughs> but you could go back. I mean, you know, what I've noticed is a lot of people, they'll, you know, they'll have their main writing, but then always going and branching out a little bit here, there, and everywhere to just, but I mean, I guess yeah. it also depends on your deadlines. It depends on, yeah, what your current schedule is and what it allows for, because um, I have tried to go back to that book um, many times, and the thing that always stops me is, you know, that was the first book I'd ever written. Um, Now, granted, I wrote Mm -hmm. it 14 times um, until it was ready and good enough to sell to a publisher, but it's still not at the caliber that I'm at today, right, because we're always getting better. Um, sure. So that book I started 10 years ago. Um, and, you know, I started my publishing career with Seducing Cinderella about seven and a half years ago. So I'm way better now than I, than I was originally. So I would have to go back um, and really probably rewrite the whole book. And not only that, but right. it was original back then. But since then... Other people have come out with with similar or origin stories or, or you know, kind of. So, this, it it just has to be completely done, and I just don't have that kind of time. So I, I'm hopeful that I'll sure. have it someday, but right now it's just not in the cards. So it's that it's that book that's in the box under the bed, figuratively speaking. Yeah, yeah, right and I never yeah. thought it would be that because that was my the book of my heart. You know, you always talk about the book of your heart is usually one that never actually makes it out there. Um, and I always thought, that's sure. not me, man. The book of my heart's going to be out there. It's, it's going, you know, and it just, that's not how it works, but that's okay. <laughs> I've got other passion projects so, that I'm currently working on that make me just as happy. So. Yeah. I mean, and speaking of that, so you've done the um, fighting for love series and then you did another series that was like mm-hmm. merciless, ruthless, shameless, Hot for the Fireman. Yeah, that was my which, Playboy you know, who's love not. series. Yeah, <laughs> and now yeah. you've ventured a little bit into still contemporary, but you've taken the characters from the Peter Pan, you know, series, and said, okay, well, we're going to see what who everybody is as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you know, I was I was kind of tickled because I saw when you, know, you first wrote Pan. Uh, I thought, oh, well, this is going to be fun. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> this is really <laughs> saucy. Uh, delightfully yep, so. I, I, and, you know, I, I use delightfully, you know, tongue-in-cheek because, you know, it's, it's, it's spicy. Um, yeah. But uh, it's, it was just a fun way to, to see, you know, everybody grows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm having what, so much fun with this yeah. series. Yeah, and you've got um, so right now you've got Pan and Hook just came out. Um, yeah, what I mean, what made you want to write about Peter Pan and everybody growing up, and then what made you put them in this particular situation? Um, it's kind of funny how this came about. I I heard 
the um, Kelsey Ballerini song when I was in the car one day, um, her song, Peter Pan. And I absolutely love that song. It's, you know, she's essentially singing about a guy that she loves, but he's never going to grow up. And so they can't be together kind of a thing. So it's a bittersweet song. Um, and I thought, wow, um, that would kind of be a great, you know, story to base off of like the Peter Pan idea. And originally it was going to be about um, kind of like a best friends to lovers trope with um, Wendy and Peter being, it was going to be more new adult with them being like mm-hmm. in college and him just have being this like rich kid who never had any responsibilities. And, you know, obviously by the end of the book, he realizes that he's got to, you know, be responsible and him and Wendy fall off or they don't fall off. They fall in love and, you know, right off into the sunset. Um, very standard NA material, um, but I thought it was a kind of a fun concept to base it off of. I have no idea when that morphed into what it is now because it's nothing like yeah. that. Um, I, honestly, I wish I could remember the moment where I was like, wait a minute, what if I do it this way? And I can't because, again, going back to the horrible memory um, aspect that I get to live with. Um, but <laughs> so essentially what I what I ended up with is, um, Peter Pan, Tinkerbell, the Lost Boys, and even Hook and Smee and Starkey, so two of his pirates, were all orphans um, at this um, place in, Never- in Neverland, North Carolina, um, called the School for Lost Boys of Neverland. And so uh-huh. it's not this magical island. It's literally an orphanage. And originally it is um, run by a very loving older couple who can't have children, but they end up dying in a car crash and who takes it over is her niece, their niece, who is married to a very horrible man named Fred uh-huh. Croc, who represents the crocodile in the Peter Pan stories. Um, and right. so they grow up in this not so great environment. Um, they all persevere and they, you know, they end up once they're out of the school, they all band together. Well, Hook and the two pirates go their way, and the rest of the Lost Boys go with Peter and Tank, and now they're mechanics um, in mm-hmm. Neverland, North Carolina, and it's a coastal town, and um, fictional, obviously, and I just thought, you know, what, what does it look like for these kids to be adults now, and what does it look like for an original fantasy story with magic and fairies and, and all this other stuff? Um, what does it look like if I twist that into a contemporary modern world? And that mm-hmm. has been the most fun for me is taking those iconic Peter Pan moments and twisting them into something that will fit for our world and still keeps that original magic without actually being magic. Right. Well, and it also depends on your definition of magic, you know. Right. Um, you know, it, it's it's really cool how you pulled that thread and, and I, I find myself nodding and kind of uh, you know grinning at some of the little subtle things that you write in there and I, I have to wonder you know, how many times you've read or watched any sort of P- uh, Peter Pan the book or the movies or anything to do with um, Peter Pan just to get those little little um, details just so I read J.M. Barry's Peter Pan the original book Um, I read Mm -hmm. it once and I highlighted all of the things inside of it that I wanted, like all of the lines that I wanted to pull through, um, truly iconic moments, like when, um, Wendy gives him a thimble and he gives her an acorn. Um, 
those types of things. And um, that was it. I mean, I saw Ron Williams' version of Hook when I was younger. I really liked that. Sure. Um, but I don't even know that I've seen the cartoon, the Disney version, Peter Pan. I don't know that I've seen it all the way through. I, you know, I know mm-hmm. bits and pieces of it. Um, and I know that there's several other versions out there, but I did not watch any of the movies. What I really wanted to do was um, kind of an homage to Jane Barry's original story. So I made sure that mm-hmm. I read that. And that was not easy because, man, they wrote very differently back then. Um, so it was yeah. really kind of hard to get through sometime in some parts. But um, I really wanted to make sure that I had all the characters there, um, and they are. Um, I've even added one character. There's only one character in my series who is not an original um, from the original Peter Pan, but everybody else is there and accounted for, and some of their adventures and things that they happened are threaded through the series. When you So the first one, the first book is Pan, and that's Wendy and Peter. Um, mm-hmm. The second book is is Hook, and it is a, a male-male romance, which I thought was a really cool, a really cool way to present him. Um, and then, of course, with whom he uh, has his his happily ever after. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, when in this planning of the story did you decide that you were going to have Hook? Uh, you know, come to whom he really is? Gosh, you know, I don't know. I'm very big on letting my characters grow and reveal themselves to me, Mm -hmm. um, who they Mm -hmm. are organically. I don't, I'm not one of those authors um, who do huge character analyses before they start writing. Um, I, I do, all of my prep is done mainly with the plot points that I need to hit in a certain book or series. Um, But I really only know, I only allow myself to know the basics of a character before I start writing. Um, Because the fun for me is is discovering who they are, letting them kind of tell me their own story. Um, And I know that makes me sound crazy, but a lot of us do it that way. (laughs) No, no. Yeah, no, there's plenty of times I'll be writing and I'll say, oh, okay. Yeah. Isn't that the (laughs) most fun? I just, that's like, it that is. is to me like my greatest writer's high is when something goes, oh my gosh, that's it. That's what it is. And, you know, it just mm-hmm. kind of everything clicks and you have that epiphany moment. So Hook, I think, I don't, I knew in the beginning when I was writing Pan that there was going to be a very serious issue between him and Croc, right? Because in the original Peter Pan, the crocodile's always after Captain Hook. Um, so I wanted mm-hmm. to pull that through, um, but I wasn't sure exactly what it was until um, I started writing. And the very first scene that I wrote in Pan, I knew what it was, and it was sad. Okay. But um, I wanted to to take that through. And then as I was writing, I still wasn't sure that Hook was gay. I didn't know probably until halfway through writing Pan, and mm-hmm. – um, when he started having these issues with John meddling in his business. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of knew that's where that was coming from, was from his past with John um, and how they met as kids. Um, 
And so that's kind of where that took me. And I still wasn't sure if he was maybe bisexual. Um, John, I knew, was was going to be for sure gay. Um, mm-hmm. But I wasn't sure about, about Hook until I started writing their story. And I thought, no, he's he's not. You know, I mean, it was just kind of how it, it flowed into that. And um, he is truly the my favorite character I've ever written. I... I can't even explain to you how much that man has buried into my heart. Um, mm-hmm. James Cook will forever, I think he will forever be my favorite ever. I just don't see anybody topping him. He just, I love him so much. <laughs> well, and I think too, that it's, it's one of those moments of the characters that get deeper into our hearts because we kind of reveal them um, for, mm-hmm. and love them just exactly for whom they are. Um, they yeah. really do bury pretty deep, but it, those characters yeah. also can be really hard to write. I mean, were there moments where you were, you know, crying writing him? Yeah. Cause there were moments yep. I was like, Oh and, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I've never done that before when I write. Um, mm-hmm. there was one time when I was writing the epilogue of the fighting for love series, the very last book where I, I, teared up because it was like saying goodbye to friends it was the first series I'd ever closed um but it was like happy tears kind of a thing um but I've never been able to um I've never cried while writing before but with this book it's why it took me so long I was supposed to release it in April um Mm -hmm. and I didn't release it until the end of October because it took me so long to write um not only because it was it ended up being 30,000 was over what I had planned, um, but also because of the complexity of the story itself. Not only is it mm-hmm. some suspense, um, which is definitely, I bow down to the suspense, romantic suspense writers because, oh my gosh, to get all that stuff, uh, all the different facts and stuff right is crazy um, hard. So that was hard in itself, but the content um, and the story between Hook and his past, and um, it's some hard stuff to write and mm-hmm. to read. And so I did find myself crying several times in the book. Yeah. Um, and I kind of joked online, like, you know, where I said, people ask me if I ever cry, you know, while writing, and I say, no, I, I've never really done that. And then here's here's me also writing chapter 22 of this book, and it's, you know, I showed a gif of, like, someone sobbing with one under her desk. Um, it's yeah. just, it's an emotional roller coaster for sure, and I've never really been a very angst still, um, you know, story writer, but this one uh-huh. definitely has plenty of it in there. But I don't want anyone to think that it's just, you know, all angst all the time because I, there are some moments of levity and, and definitely parts where, you know, the light shines through. And, and at the end, I put everybody back together, I promise. <laughs> right, and you do. Yes, you do very much. And, and there was, um, you know, as, you're ta- as, as, you're, as I'm reading the, the book, it was, it, there were times I'm like, oh, God, you know, it's, it's almost like I'm reading it, you know, through – my fingers because I'm just like no no don't yeah. <laughs> don't let right. that happen yeah. <laughs> oh no um and what which is such a fun read but I mean yeah you're right trying to balance it all and make sure all the pieces are in place and the pace is where it needs to be and, and you don't 
um, you, you, you want to give the people what they think is going to happen with a twist um, or even throw us off a little, which I think is a lot of fun. But I, I do love that you keep that same banter between um, like Pan and Hook, you know, even no matter what. It's, it's yeah. still that same kind of a, a – it's not – I guess a mutual respect is, is what you could say um, mm-hmm. to each other, like the yin and yang of it. You know, um, yeah, and and I think that's a lot of fun. Similar characters, but yeah, they would never admit it, kind of a thing. You know, um, right? They, you're right. They're very yin and yang. That's they're two sides of a of the same coin. Um, they're both leaders in their own right. They both gain the respect of their their people or their peers. Um, one, they just they they've got different personalities. That's what makes them different. But each of them would, you know, put themselves uh, in front of a bus for for the people that they love. And and I think that's what I really wanted to show is that, you know, everybody thinks Hook is the villain, but honestly, what nobody knows is that he's actually been the hero the whole time, and he doesn't believe it of himself. But it's very right. apparent early on in the book that he, that's exactly what he is. Um, and I loved bringing that dichotomy to his character. Yeah, where I mean, where he just feels like he's just unsavable, um, right? And that what he's done and what he's planning to do is absolutely unredeemable, mm-hmm. um, right? And I think there's a lot of people like that. And and you know, you you have it in a situation of kids who have been through um, the the foster system and and. Uh, sadly, there are children who have been uh, through really awful situations. Yeah. So it's and in, and I remember being in foster care training and sitting there in class, and, I, and one lady saying, "So um, we'd want to be foster parents, but we really don't want a child with any issues." And we just all looked at her like, <gasps> "They're in foster care." It's like oh I don't understand. Gosh. Even if it's the most ideal, and I use that very loosely, and I'm actually doing air right, quotes right. as I say that. Um, yeah. Let's say a Families wiped out in a car accident, and these kids are left with no parents. That's that is not without issues, you know. Right. Yep. So every child has gone through some sort of trauma. That's why they're in foster care. And um, exactly. to see that everyone's redeemable, everyone's got yeah. a, a somebody who loves them and is worth saving. I think that's important. An important message. Yeah, I really. I really am glad that 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 is coming through. Um, And I didn't, there is, you know, triggering material, but I really, I wanted to make it as safe for people to read as possible. So I do have an alternative chapter or an alternative version of a specific chapter that um, I link to in the beginning of the book so that if people do feel like it might be too much, um, they can read that and it takes all the triggering material out of it. Um, and just and then we'll give you the rest of the chapter as is, so you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. Um, so, yeah, I the fact of the matter is, you know, I, I thought long and hard about any kind of backlash that I might receive for kind of putting that kind of content in there. But at the end of the day, I'm all about um, being true to the characters and. You know, the truth, the the horrible truth of the matter is that there are lots of people out here um, that have experienced these these types of situations in their past, you know, um, and it, I don't want to erase them. You know, I don't want to erase their struggles, what they've gone through, and I want to show them that 
just because something like that happened to them doesn't mean that they can't also find love and, you know, be the hero of their own story. So um, right. I decided at the end to to not um, water down anything, um, mm-hmm. but also be as respectful as I could of something like that and just really focus on the emotional stuff and not show anything gratuitously horrible. You know, I, that was not my goal. Right, right. And so now you have, so you have Peter Pan and Wendy, and then you have Hook and John Darling. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. now you're working on Tink. Yeah. And so what is, um, you know, what do you have planned for her? So Tink, um, she's a little spitfire. And, she, you know, she grew up thinking she was in love with Peter Pan her whole life. She thought she was in love with Peter Pan. And she didn't realize that she was just basically hero worshiping him. He was, you know, the one who took care of her when she was little. And um, so once at the end, you know, she realizes that, oh, that's not what love is. Um, mm-hmm. And she thinks of him as a brother, in fact. Um, Michael Darling uh, is here to tell her that she has a lot more feelings for him than she's willing to admit. And um, mm-hmm. so this is going to be a cat and mouse type of book, you know, where she's resisting him at every turn. And, you know, she's like a hissing cat, basically. And, um mm-hmm. But he's he's the one who's gonna you know be able to make her purr. He's not gonna give up on her. So, um, and there's a little bit more of the foster kid um, thre- thread thrown in there. He's you know Michael's got he works with the foster children, um, which was his mother's foundation um, before she passed. And so there's uh, a specific teenager, surly teenager Jade, who he has to deal with, and he's trying to love and and bring into to a family. Um, and she's also a little bit of a hissing kitten. So. Michael's got his work mm-hmm. out or his work cut out for him in this book, but I think it's going to be fun. Um, it's definitely going to bring the series back up on a lighter note, and um, we'll see where that takes them. But I, I think it's going to be a good one. So, what has been your overall response with having um, the different the different couples in your in your series? Because you you said, I mean, even in Pan, you you we knew something was going on with with Hook and John. Um, so it's, is, mm-hmm. what is, what has been the response? Have you, I mean, you always, there's always someone who's going to say it was terrible. Um, or, and you know, there's plenty more that say it's fabulous, but I mean, what has been your general response that you've gotten? Um, honestly, it was, I guess I did a really good job of teasing the two different couple, the two couples that came after, um, because Hook and uh, John has an epilogue at the end of Pan that kind of gives mm-hmm. you an idea, okay, these guys are going to be explosive. Um, and Tink and Michael even has a chapter in Pan. And that's the beauty of self-publishing, mm-hmm. right? I don't have to conform to anyone's rules. So if I want to give Tinkerbell a, her own chapter, um, I can. And that's kind of what I'm going yeah. to do throughout the series is um, – I'm going to continue to show you the different couples. So in Tinkerbell's book, I might show you a scene with Pan and Wendy and kind of check in on them. Anyway, that's, yeah, that's going off the book. Um, so the, <laughs> the people love those kinds of glimpses at the, the couples that were coming up. And so they immediately, as soon as they finished Pan, they're like, when's Hook's book? We need it right now. 
or when is pain coming out because I need that right now. And so I kind of shot myself in the foot because it yeah. was like, you know, um, yeah, I'm getting right on that. If you could just wait like a good nine months to a year, that would be great. Yes, I, I actually was one of those that immediately texted you and said, um, you hello, did. where is this? Yes. Yeah, you did. I hope it was respectful text. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, those are always great to get, you know. I mean, it shows that, that I did my job. It, it, I did what I wanted to do is to, you know, get people excited about the next one. So that's great. <laughs> so you're going to have Tink, and then who's who have you kind of planned for after that? Um, I'm thinking either Thomas or Silas will be next. And, of course, those are their grown-up names. They, that's – uh. Oh, that's, I can't even remember their, it's toodles and noodles and I don't know. They've got yeah. <laughs> right. crazy names, but yeah, so I've got all of the six lost boys planned. Um, so they're all going to have their own book. Twins will be in the same book. Um, and right. then uh, Tiger Lily is in there with them. Um, and right. then I've got Thief, who is the only character that I did create, um, who is uh-huh. Tiger Lily's older brother. Um, he's got his own book. And then I have Smee and Starkey. I decided when I was writing Hook that Smee and Starkey were going to get their own book as well. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's – so there's ten books in all. Wow. Which I don't know. Wow. Yeah, that's going to – going to be a wild ride. It's going to take me a few years to get through them all. But yeah, I, I decided I was going to go with the uh, no lost boy left behind theory. Um, I don't want, right. they all went through so much as, as kids. They all need their happily ever afters. So that's what I'm going to do. True. Well, and so with that in mind, you've got 10 books. Um, do you sit down and plot like, do you have a, a tree or a timeline or, you know, you have a character sheet and say, so can you can go, oh, wait, what were his eyes color again in book two? And, you know, how do you, how do you keep it all organized? Yeah, that is on my to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely am going to need a serious Bible with this one. This is the biggest cast of characters I've ever written. It's the, bit, you know, longest series by far. Um, I already found myself struggling while writing Hook about what details I said in Pan and, you know, certain characteristics or, or like you said, hair color, eye color, just all of it. I mean, I've got, well, there's 10 books, but that's, you know, at least 20 characters that's even more. So there's a lot yeah. of people and um, that's not even including the minor characters, you know, that, so it's, um, I definitely needed to get a serious Bible together. So that's on my to-do list. I've looked at a couple of different softwares. Um, right now, I've got a lot of notes um, in my Microsoft OneNote program, but that's going to have to change. Because I, it also, that's the other hard part is I have two timelines to work with. I have the past timeline and I have the present right. timeline. So I need to know, because I go back and forth between the past and the present, I need to know what ages they were, what year this was, what happened when, yeah. I mean, as they go from, childhood to adults when they move out and then I need the current timeline that I've I'm now creating so yeah I'm already going a little batty sure yeah because you're layering in that past childhood interaction with the present day and why this makes sense Mm -hmm. and 
Um, but even, you know, knowing what road they took to get here to there and, you know, what, it's, yeah, just, it, it's, I've done that with my, um, I have a Tuscany, Texas series and it just, there's times I'm like, okay, wait, where is this again? And, um, <laughs> what street did they turn right on? And, you know, I don't even know whose house that is. How do you put it all together? How do you, do you uh, have yeah, you I, have? I will get back to you on that one. <laughs> Now, um, uh, our mutual friend, Terry Wilson, she uses Scrivener, and she really likes it. Um, she says it helps keep things organized. But she also has note cards that she'll write things on and um, kind of keep it, things organized that way. So it just I think yeah. everyone's kind of got their own system. Some people do yep. storyboards, like Jolie Navarro, Sasha Summers, they'll do storyboards. Um, I think Emily Mems has um, – she will just have things written out. Like she, I think she's got a big like family tree type setup. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's just all sorts of everybody. You, you have to go with what's not going to make you more nuts. Um, right. Versus it's like, is that more work for me? Because then if by the time I'm done plotting that, do I even want to write this anymore? You know, so yeah. you want to stay excited about the project. Right. Yeah, I don't think yeah. too far ahead as far as the books go. Um, I have a vague idea of a couple of, um, the the lost boys and and what their heroines are going to be or or at least kind of look like as far as personalities, but um, beyond that, I have no idea. So yeah, I just I'm just yeah. gonna figure it out as I go along. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think we just you just have to find out what works. I mean, maybe just buy like twenty spiral notebooks when they have them for for twenty five cents. <laughs> back to school yeah. and just yeah this is it <laughs> and and pay and you know pay an intern some sort of college student to read your books and write as many notes as possible so um yep you know that could be an option yeah you never that's, know that's definitely an option <laughs> so we have about three minutes left or two minutes left tell me who is on your to be red pile oh my to be red pile <laughs> Um, I'm going to be reading my friend Rebecca Yaros's Great and Precious Things that comes out in February. That's going to be amazing. Um, I have, oh gosh, oh I'm right now reading Infamous by Jenny Holiday, um, which is a okay. male male rock star doctor thing. Um, so I've got those queued up. Uh, also, Cindy Madsen's going to be uh, releasing a couple of Cowboys books, one with Hallmark and one with Sourcebook. Uh, pretty close here so those are on my list I just got done reading Lorelai James's Spun Out that was fantastic so lots of great books yeah and you know it's perfect time of year well if you're in the northern hemisphere it's perfect time of year to snuggle up and read and you know when it's nice and uh, cold outside and then it's perfect time to snuggle up and read outside on the beach when it's nice and warm outside if you're in the southern hemisphere so it all works out you know win-win I'd love to plug um, speaking of foster care, and I know this is a obviously near and dear to your heart as well. Um, my yes. friend is uh, Rebecca Yaros, and she is an mm-hmm. author who has opened up a nonprofit called One October Incorporated, and it's um, specifically geared to raise money and um, so that she can buy things like duffel bags for foster children, clothing, shoes, right. so that when they're traveling from from home to home, they don't have to take you know their one outfit with them in a grocery bag. Um, right know, to help them get some dignity back, um, and so that they're not having to go to school with with no clothes, you know, nice clothes. 
things of that nature. And she's running an auction right now to say or to raise money for that. Um, and it's hundreds of signed books. Um, I'm offering my complete collection of signed books. Um, there's services for editing and um, agents and things like that. So if people want to check that out, um, they can go to um, find it on Facebook, One October Incorporated. Um, the auction, I believe, is a bit.ly link, so it's bit.ly slash One October Auction. Um, the One October okay. Auction, the first three letters are uh, capitalized. That, that's how that will work. Um, or they can find me on Facebook. Okay. I'm promoting it. Um, all of that stuff, so that it runs through December first. So, okay, and I will also, and I will also include the link in the write up of the show. Oh, so, yeah, thank you so much. That would be awesome. Of course. Well, thank you so much, Gina, for coming on. And everybody, that was Gina L. Maxwell. You can find her, and all the links uh, to finding her will be in the write up of the show. And her latest book, Hook, is out now. So pick it up. Thank you so much, Gina. Thanks, Thanks Patricia. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.